0: available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast Agriculture Through a Modern Lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: On this episode unprecedented. That's how a senior commodity analyst has described the grain trade. Wayne Palmer is with Exceed Grain Marketing and he says a rally at harvest is unheard of and it's the first time he's witnessed this in his 40 years in the business. He'll explain what's been happening, how it has impacted prices and explains what farmers can be watching for in order to cash in on possible grain and oilseed price increases. Huge U.S. agricultural subsidies are impacting Canadian business risk management programs. The Trump administration has announced four multi-billion dollar aid programs for U.S. farmers over the past three years, and some as compensation for the U.S.-China trade war, and others are connected to COVID-19. An independent economic research organization is sounding the alarm in a policy note that was released recently – Dr. L. Mussel is the research lead for Agri-Food Economic Systems based in Guelph, Ontario. He'll explain how U.S. egg subsidies are distorting the market. After the break, Wayne Palmer
0: digging into the topics that matter to you the Agripod with Alice McFarland.
1: Wayne Palmer is a senior consultant with Exceed Grain Marketing and we're going to take a look back at the commodity markets for 2020 so far. So Wayne, really the last 3 weeks in particular have been pretty surprising.
0: Yeah, I'll go back a little further than that Alice uh, about 6 weeks ago you had the November canola futures trading at $481. Um which uh, producers were probably lucky to get $10 a bushel. Um, All of a sudden, uh, the U.S. market is the one that rallied us, and the funds uh, took over as well. The crop uh, ratings from the USDA uh, started to just gradually go down every week. Adverse weather, uh, reduced yields, uh, reduced total crop production. It was almost like a perfect storm. Uh, The technical side of the market was short. Uh, they took over. They went from a short position to uh, uh, a huge long position. And canola got caught up into it uh, because of the soil oil market uh, with the crusher uh, buying uh, canola futures and selling meal and soil oil futures against it. That's the board crush. Um, canola rallied to $534. So you had a $50 a ton metric ton rally here in a matter of six weeks. Um, three weeks ago, uh, actually was, uh, two, two weeks ago, Monday, September 18th. That's when we hit the high for, for the, uh, the year so far at five thirty four on the, on the canola because the funds went from a short position to being long, the biggest position they've ever had 65,000 contracts. So their threshold was met. And then all of a sudden the American crop got a little bit better and, and instead of going uh, down on their crop ratings. Uh, They started to improve on the crop rates because the weather was turning. And uh, in the middle, you know, towards towards harvest, um, their crop got better. So all of a sudden, the funds turned from buyers to sellers. And the, the, the November canola went from $534 in a matter of three days to trade down to $509. So producers lost $25 a metric ton. Hopefully they sold into the rally. But um, I know some producers uh, are still out there uh, doing their harvest. So I'm not sure if they had a chance to sell into the valley. But now the market is coming back again, Alice.
1: So also there was a quarterly stock report that created another dimension. How did uh, traders respond to that report?
0: That blindsided anybody who was short the market. Um, the, uh, the total stocks in wheat, Soybeans and corn fell 319 million bushels, meaning uh, we have a supply problem. Um, the demand is still there, so with this with this hanging over the market going forward, this market is going to be well supported at these current levels. Uh, the technical side of the market is still what is driving and dictating prices. Uh, when this when this came out. Soybeans rallied 30 cents. Canola rallied $14. Corn rallied 14 cents. And even wheat was rallying 25 cents. So, this this bullish factor will remain in the market. But we're in the middle of a U.S. harvest. The weather, the six to 10 day forecast, is ideal conditions to get the corn and the soybeans off. So, you've got a market today of the canola traded as low as. $512 $512 and as high as 519 60 So you have a 750 range. These are these are markets that uh, uh, are just, uh, as a speculator, you're pulling your hair out. But long-term, Ellis, I believe that these prices are going higher.
1: So Wayne, you've been at this gig for a while now, so have you ever seen markets react this way before?
0: Yeah, it's unprecedented. In my 40 years in the grain trade, a rally at harvest, um... Buyers know that uh, farmers always sell off the combine, and they're waiting for deals as the prices go, uh, dip, especially at harvest time, and especially when the crop was getting better, the U.S. crop was getting better, but this year, the buying continued, the fund buying continued, we rallied this market into harvest, and farmers were getting the highest price that they've had all year at harvest. I've never seen that before.
1: Wayne Palmer is our guest, and we're talking about some of the surprises with the commodity markets this year. So, Wayne, looking into your crystal ball, tell us what you see for this winter and what farmers should be looking for.
0: Well, if I was a producer, I would be uh, selling a small portion of my grain into these rallies. But for the long term, I think that 2021, these these prices that we're currently at Ellis' will be low compared to where we're going in 2021. Um, China has such an appetite to buy, and they're buying everything in sight, including canola. Um, wheat uh, The wheat prices are depressed, but I believe that wheat is going to be dragged up with corn and soybeans. Because of this quarterly stock report that came out of the United States Department of Agriculture, uh, This this supports the market going forward. Demand The buyers know that the U.S. is uh, a bit uh, in, in a bit of a supply problem here. So they're already stepping up to the plate um, right in the middle of harvest. So once that harvest is turned off at the end of October, I think you're going to see the funds come back into this market, drive the prices up. And I think farmers are going to be cash adequate right going into 2021. So the question that everyone is going to ask is, who's going to sell the market? Uh, the funds are buying and you've got uh, fundamental demand by end user buyers, this market's got no place to go but higher because when you do the supply and demand on every individual uh, grain, um, it points that uh, demand is going to outweigh the supply.
1: Wayne, when we started 2020, how in the world could we have anticipated what would be coming, especially when March hit? So what was happening at the beginning of the year and has the game changed because of the pandemic or were there other factors?
0: Well, COVID definitely because everybody went into a holding pattern. The buyers uh, were dormant. Uh, there was a glut of grain around, not moving Everybody was uh, basically in a a stay-at-home situation, but that situation changed in June. Uh, We planted uh, big crops. The crops looked impressive. Prices went down because uh, a little bit of farmer selling, but for the most part, it was all technical selling, funds in this day and age when there's no... Uh, rate of return on on any on any interest or in any money that you're having everybody's going into the equity markets um, and the funds dictate or the grain prices go so they were short a record number of contracts in corn and soybeans and canola they're the ones that took this market down to new lows and with the threat of a very good crop coming out uh, from 2020 and then the huge carryover stocks from 2019 It was the perfect storm for lower prices. But then when the uh, buyers started to buy at rock bottom prices and then the U.S. crop went from being good to average uh, and then a little bit below average, the funds had to cover that short position. Farmers went into holding pr- uh, pattern because their crops weren't as good as they per- originally thought, and then we just rallied like crazy uh, in the month of September. Which again, I have not—I've never seen this before.
1: So, if you have one bit of advice for producers heading into the winter of 2020 two thousand and twenty twenty-one, what would that be?
0: I would say that uh, the the funds are going to dictate prices. If, if, if a producer had only sold, let's say, 10 to 15% of his crop, I would probably say on every rally, get yourself 50% sold. This is found money compared to six weeks ago uh, when you rally canola 40 to $50 a ton. This is not really to do with canola. This is not really to do with Canadian grain prices. This is to do with funds. And the long term effect, which is going to happen with the soya oil or soybeans and corn. But to be safe and, safe and sorry, is on rallies, sell up to about 50%, and then on the last 50%, sit on it till probably uh, spring.
1: Wayne Palmer is a senior consultant with Exceed Grain Marketing. After the break, Dr. Al Mussel talks about a paper that takes a close look at the U.S. agricultural support programs and how they are hurting Canadian agriculture.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Dr. Al Mussel is the research lead with AgriFood Systems. And we're discussing the AgriFood Policy Note that examines the impact of U.S. agricultural supports on Canadian agriculture programs. Um, Dr. Mussel, let's start by explaining what's been happening with those U.S. support programs
2: we had uh, in 2018 would have been, uh, I believe, about August 2018, uh, the U.S. announced the first uh, market facilitation payments. These were, I believe, intended to offset some of the effects of the uh, U.S.-China trade war that were going on at the time. Uh, That was followed up by uh, additional payments in um, spring of 2019. They were announced. Uh, then this spring we got into the coronavirus food assistance program, um, and there's now been a second coronavirus food assistance program. And these are, uh, you know, these these payments are all well into the billions, um, and and across quite a number of commodity sectors that extend well beyond what we've been accustomed to in terms of programming under the U.S. Farm Bill.
1: So what impact do these subsidy programs have on U.S. markets and what's the impact outside of the United States and, and what concern that creates for Canadian agriculture?
2: Um, well, maybe maybe I'll start it this way. Uh, you know, the, the effect of uh, farm subsidies, we, we know this all too well uh what it what it does is it it blunts adjustment that free markets would otherwise um, facilitate. So for example, when you got when you got low uh, or, or falling prices, it's a sign for for people to cut back supply and, and as that happens, that'll bring the price back up. But of course, when you got subsidies in place, people don't have the same incentive so so they uh, they don't. And in fact, some people will take some of the subsidy money and and, and leverage that into investments in productive capacity, and then make the low prices even worse. And and of course, in turn, it only requires more subsidy money to sop up the losses. And and so it can be a, a bit of a, a bit of a perverse thing. Um, you know, the thing we worry about is is in um, well, you know, virtually every non-supply managed product in Canada we We share a price mechanism you know, run through uh, trade and 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 arbitrage, and you know she can take about all the you know the various sundry grain commodities, uh, oil seeds, uh, livestock, uh, horticulture, et cetera, and this is this is how they're priced. Well, what this uh, you know these programs, if these continue to go on and, and we're quite concerned that they may. Um, then that, that's just going to have a price-depressing effect. And, and here we are in Canada, our producers get those same prices, but we don't have the benefit of the subsidies. So that, that's the that's the worry of it all.
1: So what does it mean for the ability of our business risk management programs in Canada to keep up with that and address some of these financial challenges?
2: So, you know, the the current dialogue, and this is so we're at least two years into this, I guess, um, you know, it, it centers on agri-stability. Uh, agri-stability is not well loved, um, as I'm sure your listeners will attest to, among particularly the grain sector. It's not necessarily well loved in the livestock sector either. And and of course, there's been a number of changes in it over time that have uh, have decreased its its popularity. So so part of the dialogue now is uh, how to retool uh, agri stability, and and I think the you know, the whole disruption around uh, COVID-19 and so on has intensified that uh, that dialogue. The problem that you have when you get into these ad hoc subsidies is, well, maybe I'll put it this way: um, agri stability in its in its predecessor case, and you could even go back to the Canadian Prime Income Program of uh, 20 years ago. Uh, you know, these were these margin-based programs with a historical reference in them. And, and you know, in my study and understanding of it, I, I, I think they actually worked pretty well because the U.S. programming was, was uh, formed under the Farm Bill. And, and, you know, the Farm Bill both facilitates these subsidy payments, but it also, it also provides a structure for them. So you know what they're going to be and roughly the amount of money and, and so on. Well now you get into these ad hoc subsidies and and these are these are a tremendous amount of money. I mean the, the most recent one I believe is uh, if memory serves me correctly 13 billion US across a broad section of uh, of uh, of commodities. Well, when you have that level of money being pumped into the farm economy in the US and understanding that we're pricing off arbitrage and so on, what that does is it weighs in on the prices that Canadian producers get. It weighs in on their production margins for agri stability, and if these things remain in place for a period of time, what it will do is there's there's really no question about it. It starts to chip away at the reference margin that you can get under agri stability, and you know the the industry I think at this point has invested a great deal in terms of engaging government on how to how to improve agri-stability by, you know, in some cases going back to the design that there was to begin with or, or other other types of features. The, the problem is if we've got these kinds of things that are coming out of the woodwork, because of the way that reference margin formula works in agri-stability, you can only go out about two years with it before your reference margins begin to collapse. So now we have to really worry
1: about that. Al Mussel is speaking to us about U.S. agricultural support programs and its impact on Canadian producers. So, what response is needed at this point, and uh, who needs to be involved?
2: Well, we've we've tried to make uh, you know two suggestions. One is you know the 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 uh, industry, uh, Canadian Federation of Agriculture, uh, pork council, cattle, um, others. Have you know they've they've talked a lot about bringing back the eighty five percent trigger to go with agri stability and um, and also to to remove the reference margin limiting provision of agri stability. Well, what what those two things would do in the immediate term is uh, they'll make um, you'll 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 get many more claims than would be the case under the current. Um, uh, design and you'll get more cash flow out of them. So in the immediate term that I think that could be helpful. What it doesn't deal with though is we still have the the reference uh, the Olympic average reference margin formula that's built into it that tells you once you get out about two years that your your uh, your reference margin and, and therefore your eligibility for uh, support or stabilization of the program will begin to fall. So we're going to need something else. And, and you know, the, the, the trouble we have, to design a fulsome um, program for farm income stabilization, you have to have a, a pretty sound idea of, you know, expectations of what the U.S. and other countries are going to do in terms of supporting their producers. And, of course, we had that for 20 years. Um, with our limits on most distorting support in the WTO, and, and I think that was actually working pretty well for us. But here we are in the situation we are now: the WTO uh, appeals uh, panel is non-functional, so so countries can just go ahead and support however, with, however they please, more or less, because the challenge, um, you know, they, the challenge can always be appealed, and then it'll just go nowhere. So. What are we left with? And, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a dire prospect for us. To me, um, businesses go bankrupt and farms go bankrupt when they run out of cash. And if we don't have a solid idea of what other countries are going to do, one approach is, let, you know, let's make ready access to cash at low cost or even no cost and, and find ways that people can qualify to access cash on a, on a very, um, what do you want to say, f- facilitating basis in, in, in terms of the, of the collateral and repayment terms that you have to have with it. Um, that would certainly help people who could find themselves on the ropes here going forward, because, we, we, Frank, we don't know what's going to happen.
1: So how important is the timing when it comes to making an appro- an appropriate response?
2: Well, I think, um, timing's probably pretty important. Uh, and so here we are, you know, we had, we had a, we had a program in, uh, 2018, uh, ad hoc program that was, these are all measured in many billions, 2018, 2019, first half, 2020, second half, 2020. We have to worry that, uh, you know, in, in, you have to, you have to think about the U S uh, situation on this. Um, producers there are now used to this money; they've had it four times, so there, there's going to be pressure there to con, uh, keep that money flowing. Um, uh, secondly, you've, you've got um, well senators and commodity groups worried that the allocation of the money that they paid out isn't fair, so they've they've rejigged it and um, the. The Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, the, the first go round on hogs, they had money there for uh, market hogs. Of, I believe it was eighteen dollars a hog, and they were only able to spend about forty percent of it. Well, <laughs> that by itself tells you there was uh, there was some disappointed people who, who wanted that money. Well, now, in the second round, it's twenty three dollars a hog. And it appears as though it's a lot less restrictive to be able to access it. So you have to think that these things are going to keep going on, or at least there's a risk of that. And if that's indeed the case, I think time's of the essence. So, um, you know, I, I, the industry communications, you know, maybe look, let's 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 make the fixes that we need to aggregate stability now, and then worry about what comes after because. Agri-stability, frankly, is not designed for an environment like this, and it's, uh, people will find if we get into some of the uh, eventualities that, that we're concerned about, it won't be enough money, and what are we going to do then? So we, we need to be worrying about this now, I think.
1: Dr. Al Mussel is the research lead with Agri-Food Systems. It's time for the weekly Agriculture News Roundup for September 28, 2020. Recent grain thefts in Manitoba served as a reminder for all farmers to keep an eye on their stored grain. The first theft was reported in June 20 tons of grain was stolen. Police say this could have happened as late as last winter. In another incident, a farmer reported roughly 50 tons of canola was stolen from another yard sometime between September 10th to 18th. RCMP say many grain storage facilities are on unoccupied yard sites and thieves would have easy access and there is usually an auger nearby. Police also urge farmers to keep samples of the grain in bins that can be taken to the elevator. For comparison, this method was used successfully on another case. European weather causing uncertainty for the wheat markets. The latest Sask wheat market report says if there is rain in dry areas of the European Union and Ukraine, the markets would fall even further. On the other hand, dry weather would support markets. The report, compiled by Mercantile Ventures, said there were substantial wheat deliveries in Canada and recommended holding off on delivering more wheat while there was uncertainty in the markets concerning weather and China. Scientists have concluded several studies and found chickens, turkey and pigs pose no public health risk for transmitting the virus that causes COVID-19. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency said research showed these domestic animals did not carry the virus in tissues used for meat or human consumption. There have been no documented case of poultry or swine becoming infected with the virus. Four vessels were expected to load Durham and lentils at Manitoba's port of Churchill this fall. Murad El-Khatib of the Arctic Gateway Group, which owns the port and rail line, said four ships moved 137,000 metric tons of Durham and lentils through Churchill last year. Al Khatib, who is also chief executive officer of AGT Foods, one of the Arctic Gateway Group's major partners, said work is still being carried out to stabilize the track bed. He remained optimistic that Churchill would soon be able to get back to the 8 to 10 vessel range per year. The Livestock and Forge Center of Excellence near Saskatoon, Saskatchewan will serve as a living lab for those developing so called smart farming technology for cattle producers. The University of Saskatchewan and SaskTel signed a Memorandum of Understanding. Terry Fonstad with the College of Engineering said that they would be working with the same type of technology that is fairly common in the grain sector. The two organizations will work with existing companies and startups to identify challenges, propose solutions, and then test them at the center. And a new campaign called on the federal and provincial governments to freeze tax increases on beer – Farm groups, bar and restaurant owners, tourism and hospitality associations and brewers started Freeze It For Them to showcase the seed-to-sip role beer plays in the economy. Barley Council of Canada Chair Zenith Fay said when alcohol taxes go up every year, that not only makes drinks less affordable for Canadians but also hurts the livelihood of farmers. About 23,000 Canadian barley farmers sell 300,000 tons of malting barley directly to brewers.